ladies and gentlemen, it is that time yet again, broadcasting almost live from deep beneath an old Brindles, it's Tavern Voices. I'm your host, Kevin King, and with me, as always, is our other host and my competitive fast food eating partner, Tyler Crawley. How's it going, my friend? What? Did you say Bindles? Brindles. Brindles. I don't know what that you, is. Did you not have those up north? I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. What, what is it? It was, uh, it was kind of like a uh, like a Kmart. Uh, like a Roses? Yeah, yeah. Like okay, a Roses okay. Kmart, same no. deal. Brindles. Dude, we didn't even have a Walmart. I didn't see a Walmart until I left D.C. Like, they don't have room for those stores. Like, no way. <laughs> it's like, I remember we used to drive like 30 minutes to get to a Best Buy. So, yeah, no, I never, I never saw anything big like that ever. Wow, that's that's kind of surprising a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of room up there, and so those big stores, the amount of money it would cost to rent that much real estate, it, it, it doesn't. It, the bottom line doesn't make a lot of sense, and I, I, well, I won't put it that way. I just remember my fondest memory. We had a Brindles in the small town I grew up in. It was just in a strip mall, and I saved up money and was able to buy a commemorative watch of the 1995 Atlanta Braves World Series win. I remember buying that at Brindle's, so that's so that's that's my memory of that. Can you get any more southern? <laughs> I, I tell you, the weirdest thing about living in North Carolina is there are no baseball teams anywhere near us. It's like nothing. So I mean, the Atlanta Braves, I guess, right? That's the, that's what you got to root for. I mean, oh it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's I'm not. A, like I say, I'm not a fan. I'm not, I'm not like a huge baseball guy, but you know, it's just weird that there's no anything baseball related, anything close to there. All right, speaking of weird. We're, we're going to do it again. <laughs> All right. got to do enough. it again. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. I try not to talk about her, but you just, you can't. In fact, did you see that, that Axios report that she's actually like second to Donald Trump with regards to Twitter uh, activity? Like it's insane. I mean, she's driving the narrative of her party. So yeah, kinda, it's huge. You, you can't talk about her. I mean, you, you got to talk about her, I should say. So she's back at it again, uh, getting a lot of getting a lot of news and attention. Uh, and this time it's not a dance video. She is, in fact, back with another econ poli sci lesson uh, because she was absolutely ecstatic about a new hill poll that showed that just under 60 percent, 59 to be exact, percent of registered voters. I mean, very clear registered voters uh, support a 70 percent top marginal tax rate, which she has been talking about as a way to pay for her new green deal. So, Kevin, are the Democrats once again going to fall for the national poll fantasy and forget about the Electoral College and especially single district house races? Because if they think that those upper income suburbs they just won in 2018 are going to go along with the 70 percent tax rate. I guess we can just start calling Pelosi the minority leader right now. I mean, well, it, it depends on what happens after the redistricting. And we will uh, we will actually a little foreshadowing talk about that in a minute. But uh, as far as AOC goes, you started talking about a new video online and a hill poll. And I started getting concerned <laughs> where you were going with that. But um, but yeah, polls really don't. They mean exactly what the person conducting the poll wanted them to mean. I mean, like you were getting at 2016, the poll said one thing. Obviously, that didn't turn out well. If you're trying to legislate by polls, that's got to be one of the worst possible ways you could legislate, because frankly, the whole point of a representative democracy is that 
people don't just make policy based on how they're feeling that particular day. You don't you don't throw a piece of paper out and say, how many people are for this? How many people are for that? All right, 51% are for this thing. We just enact legislation. Let's go that way. That's the complete opposite of how we are intended to operate. So I think I danced completely around any sort of answer, but no, she's awful. She had no idea what she's talking about. End of story. Well, here, here's my point is that national polling is, I guess, great. If you want to get, you know, if you want to put your finger in the air and figure out where everyone's going and sometimes it matters for national elections. But the problem is, is we're not, a pure democracy. Our founders didn't want us to be a pure democracy. So we have the electoral college. And the reality is, is the polls in 2016 were correct about the popular vote. Hillary Clinton won. Those polls were hundred percent accurate. They were not accurate in depicting what was going to happen with the electoral college. And the reason I bring that up is that our, our system is also set up in a way so that, you know, it isn't mob rule and we have individual districts with individual voters and we tend to have pockets of people that for the most part are somewhat similar and the Democrats just did a great job winning a demo that the GOP tends to do well with that's upper income college educated suburban voters and the upper income is very key so they might not like Trump but I guarantee you they're not going to like a 70% tax rate any better. And so they might go back to the GOP in 2020 if that's what the Democrats are offering. And so, yeah, this might might sell well with a lot of the voters that they have in areas where the tax rates maybe are already high or people that aren't making that money. But those voters, they just won those districts. They just won. Wave bye bye to them because, yeah, they might not like Trump. But like I said, they're not going to like 70 percent tax rates either. No. And what you have to look at also is the big picture. If you say, hey, 100 people I'm looking at, would you like to enact something that helps you and hurts one of your 100 people? The 99 people would vote for it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about semantics at that point. You could insert any sort of policy that hurts a small portion of people and helps a lot. That's the opposite of, I mean, that, that that's how mob rule exists. And that's the danger of it is that you never want to be able to enact a policy that hurts a small minority population for the benefit of the large population. You're supposed to protect individual rights. That's why we have rule of law and principles like equality under the law. That's why we have the 14th Amendment. Uh, so when you start talking about let's just let's tax the rich. That sounds great. That's a great talking point. But then let's move to question number two. After taxing the rich, are you okay with taking a pay cut? Are you okay with losing your job? Are you okay with businesses in your community closing? Because that's who the quote rich are on paper are the entrepreneurs and the people who are, who I think what 95% of Americans work for a small business. That's who is going to be affected by this. So it's just, we've been so reduced to Twitter statements and 15 second snippets for the news that it just becomes the shouting match of what sounds cool without actually thinking at the, the, the implications of it. Oh, the cool factor. Uh, it's, I'll tell you being cool in the real world and being cool in uh, the political world are very, very different. (laughs) And, And remember when Obama was supposedly cool, like he's like the biggest dork on the planet. Like he's he wears his phone on his belt. Like he dresses kind of goofy. Yeah, but like he was cool in the political world. And I'll tell you, we're already seeing it. Like this Democrat candidate race 
to be the coolest person in the race. It's like the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. But we'll get to that topic another day. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have to have to say I've enjoyed all of these uh, memes coming about from all the Democratic 2020 candidates who all all are doing uh, cooking shows in their really nice upper upper <laughs> echelon. <laughs> you know, HGTV kitchens and how cool they are and everything. I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it's it's nice. I think we could see a crossover event. House Hunters meets 2020 Democrat nomination. House Hunter. I mean, they could have done that with AOC. She needed an apartment. I think somebody, somebody missed an opportunity over there. But what opportunity that we are essentially going to lose could happen after the 2020 census. Because, Tyler, what we have going on is we're going to have a a counting of people for those who don't know what a census is. And that's going to affect the representation and all of these single member districts like you're talking about as far as statewide. Um, You know, uh, it doesn't affect statewide anything. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) You pulled pulled (laughs) an uninformed Democrat voter. (laughs) I did, except I called myself. It does, though, but it does. I mean, North Carolina could get an additional congressional seat. So it does somewhat affect our power um, uh, as a state because we can have more power in Congress. So half half credit, half credit. Half credit. I will. I will take that. <laughs> I will take that. And and so on that subject today, a federal judge blocked the Trump administration from asking citizenship status on the upcoming 2020 census forms. Those championing this decision say that including citizenship would quote intentionally undercount immigrants. Wait, what? You're you're telling me that by counting people, you're undercounting them. Does that mean that asking gender intentionally undercounts men or or does it undercount women or or both? Someone has got to help me out here, because what I see is I think they really mean that by silently including non-citizens in the census, those areas are uh, those areas are able to inflate their numbers to increase their representation, therefore diluting our constitutional republic or Maybe I'm just not woke enough to uh, understand this. So maybe, Tyler, you can help me out here. Do you feel disenfranchised when the census asks for your income? I feel disenfranchised when anybody asks for my income <laughs> because it's very misleading. Um, no, if you're not woke enough, Kevin, though, you can get like a Gillette razor and then you'll be, be very then woke. I, I, can, I, can, I can remove my manhood and facial hair simultaneously. <laughs> Henry's also has one, too. I don't know what's going on in the razor business, but it's, it's, these woke razors are very, very 2019. But did I, you uh, on that subject, did you see the Dollar Shave Club? Uh, no, troll? Did, did they go like the opposite way or are they doing the same thing? They no, they retweeted it and said, welcome to the club which is their slogan of joining Dollar Shave Club, basically saying their business is going to go through the roof now. It was fantastic. I know, as if you didn't need another reason not to pay $90 for one razor blade. Um, now you you have your reason. There's going to be like a there's going to be like a man tax applied to the razors. But back to the census, back to the census. What's what's weird about this is I actually don't know. I don't know if if I think you are supposed to count illegal immigrants. I think those those count towards the overall population of your state, which is bizarre in any way you look at it, um, that we do that because you're essentially rewarding states with people who can't. I mean, this this is what's so weird about this immigration issue because – and I actually saw a tweet today from John Ziegler who's like, the founders probably never thought 
that when they, you know, said person, that we would have to define what a person was. I mean, do you think they actually thought that we would be counting non-American citizens and use that towards giving justification for the certain size of a district or how many congressional seats? That's insane. But that's where we are. I mean, I, I, I saw what's her name. Uh, the the that lady that ran for governor in Georgia, Abrams, Abrams. Stacey right. Abrams, mm-hmm. and she said she asked about uh, non citizens voting and said, "I wouldn't be against it." So she didn't say she was for it. She said, "I wouldn't be against it." What well, I, I mean, does that mean people from South Carolina? Can, I mean, because South Carolina has a uh, abundance of Republicans, and somehow Georgia turned into a swing state. So can they just walk across the border and vote in Georgia? Like, I mean, if if. It doesn't matter if you're a citizen of the country. I can't imagine it matters if you're a resident of the state. I mean, this is how crazy this conversation is getting. But the fundamental problem is should we be count? Should we count? And I think the the census um, on the census is that, yeah, you're supposed to count illegal aliens and count them towards figuring out the representation size, which to me, that just seems wrong in itself. You think? I mean, is it the whole <laughs> point to count citizens? I mean, persons, to, persons. Per, that's the problem. Persons, persons <laughs> right? Because the, the founders were thinking we need to really make sure that we give representation to the Tories now <laughs> after we have handed them their rears and put them on boats. The ones that remain, we want to make sure that they are represented in our new form of government. That's great. I mean, could you imagine Julius Caesar saying, you know, we need to make sure that that all of these, uh, you know, people from outside of the Roman Empire are counted in the uh, well, in the Caesar census forms. I, I, I don't want to get like too um, kind of down here on this podcast and start talking about slavery. But I mean, let's face it, slavery was, you know, in full effect at that time. And people who were living here, slaves, weren't counted. So living and they, born here. Yeah, right. living and born here. By all accounts, an American citizen, and we weren't counting them. And so this idea that like the founders were like, no, everyone should be counted. Clearly, they didn't think that. Now, the Democrats might turn that and go, well, see, that's why, you know, now we don't think illegal aliens should be counted. But we might be woke uh, in the future and then count them. And they're going to like compare slavery to illegal aliens. And, you know, then then it's going to go completely off the rails. But, you know, this idea that they meant persons meant everybody clearly is not what they meant. Yeah, no, it is. And and that's where I think that they keep losing ground because these kinds of things bring people who are not maybe the most build the wall, staunch anti-immigration people going, wait a minute, what, why would you count an illegal as a citizen? They're, they're taking, they're diluting my representation when I am a citizen, especially legal citizens who have gone through the process. If you're already going to be represented, getting close to being able to vote, um, what, what's the point uh, you know, why, why go through the process to become a citizen if the the idea of citizenship actually has very little meaning under the law at this point? I mean, you can get free health care in New York and now you can vote. And yeah, I mean, think about it, because if you're illegal and you commit a crime, you don't go to prison. I mean, I think it depends on the situation, but a lot of times they just deport you and then you just come right back into the country. And so, I mean, we're getting to the point now where if, you know, you can get free health care and all these other benefits uh, now, mind you, that's you know there is a misnomer that a lot of sometimes Fox News watchers uh, unfortunately fall into, which is illegal aliens get benefits. Most of the time, it's their kids who are legal, legal who are born here that get the benefits and then just take them 
Uh, but illegal aliens aren't supposed to get benefits. But we are getting to that point where like New York is going to offer and say, yeah, illegals get benefits. And so if that continues, yeah, what is the benefit? Why why go through the process of, of you know, getting documented and being, you know, on the radar, on the grid and having to pay a fine and taxes and everything else? Just stay off the well, – you know what? If we get to that point, I will rescind my American citizenship and just enjoy the illegal lifestyle. So – just to give you a heads up, that might happen. Well, I'm, I appreciate that you uh, that you gave me a heads up about that. So just keep me updated on your address so I can send a postcard. <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. Okay, I will. I, no, I can't. I can't be documented. I can't have any information. I can't do that at all. All right. Speaking of illegal. Speaking of illegal. Well, I guess I can't transition with that because I don't want, I don't want to get sued by uh, Governor Roy Cooper. So speaking <laughs> of alleged illegals. Yeah, alleged illegal. That's that's what we're going to go with. And actually, I don't know if there is anything illegal going on. So the Atlantic Coast Pipeline is this big pipeline that's going to you know make its way down to North Carolina, go through a bunch of states. And the beginning of last year. Uh, there was a little kerfuffle. Is that how you say it? Kerf, kerf, kerfuffle? Whatever it kerfuffle. is. Kerfuffle. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, when he approved this pipeline. So first of all, the environmentalists were not happy about that. He approves the pipeline. And all of a sudden, he has this $60 million fund that the pipeline company gave him. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did that happen? They're like, oh, yeah, we decided to give that to him because he approved the pipeline. They're like, oh, so it's a slush fund. And then obviously, the governor can't appropriate funds. So legislature took that took that back but there's always been a question as to was that a quid pro quo did did, did you only agree to it because of the uh, of the slush fund which of course cooper has i guess denied i mean he's never actually given a press conference or answered questions so i'm assuming he's denying it well this week another revelation has come forward after a 20,000 document dump before christmas nick oxner over at wbtv went through i guess all of the documents and found that it turns out that might not be the only problem with this atlantic coast pipeline now we're finding out that apparently governor cooper and his administration were using the pipeline which domino energy was the main uh, investor but duke energy was also a part of it they were using another negotiation that Duke Energy was having with solar companies in North Carolina. And apparently his administration, and this is provable in emails and text messages and everything else, that they were sort of using the, hey, we'll, you know, the quid pro quo, we'll approve the pipeline. And if you, um, you know, f- get, work this deal out with the solar companies. So Duke Energy, there was a new law that was passed and it dealt with uh, them having to take more solar energy, part of that renewable portfolio standard that exists in North Carolina. And we don't know if they necessarily did that, but it, all signs are pointing that direction. There's a lot of communication that apparently isn't on the books anywhere that they don't have access to. And they're trying to, to, to get these records, but it looks like that was the case. And then on top of that, one of the emails they do available was a solar company CEO who was talking to Governor Cooper and his staff about this very issue. And it turns out that solar company also has a relationship with Governor Cooper because they leased some land from him and his brother. And the story will continue. That's all we got right now. This story is clearly has a lot more to it that I'm sure, uh, like I said, Nick Oxner at WBTV is going to be looking into. Uh, so, Kevin, I guess my question for you is how long before Governor Roy Cooper's impeached? Well, 
I don't know. You know, that, that whole impeachment thing, I'm not sure. <laughs> now, will he join the long legacy of indicted former governors of the state ah, of North Carolina? Now, that I could Democrat. see. Democrat. Democrat governor. governor. <laughs> yes. Our, our sole uh, Republican <laughs> has not yet been indicted, as far as I know. But um, one thing I did want to bring up, though, to, to kind of give a shout out, is I feel like Nick at WBTV is the only journalist in the state of North Carolina right now. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that and I'm, I'm not trying to bash every, there are some good ones, but he is just killing it on all the major stories. Oh, yeah. He's the one he's putting in legwork. He's investigating what no one else will even look at. That's under their nose. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Um, especially, you know, given that he's not at some crazy right wing think tank or something that you would expect this kind of work from. He's actually doing J school stuff. It's kind of cool to see. Um, but it's very, very suspicious. Um, there is what, – what's the phrase they use in any sort of detective work or uh, you know, if, it, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's an impeached governor. Um, <laughs> an indicted I think former governor. <laughs> indicted former governor, Democrat governor. We, we, we've got to get our phrase that's down. Right, that's right. He, well, what's, well I, I do want to say is – I mean what's so bizarre about this is that – you know, the, the whole slush fund thing and the whole quid pro quo is I don't even know if there is a law against the governor doing something like that, like because he didn't get the money. It's not like he profited. You know, he didn't get any benefit. And what was so weird was during that debate, I don't even know if it's against the law for him to be like, yeah, give me 60 million dollars and I'll use that money and, and, and then, you know, divvy it out as I see fit. I mean, as long as he doesn't personally get it. I, I don't even know. I mean, as long as it goes to the governor's office, I don't even, I mean, obviously the, he has supposed to appropriate money, but let's say there was a quid pro quo. I don't even know there's a statute against that. That's, that's, that's a very valid point. Um, I think it would definitely matter if there were the, the, the intention involved could definitely fall under ethics violations, regardless of whether or not the True. outcome was there. If you had the intent of acting in a, in an inappropriate way with your use of office, um, but yeah, if there was no actual personal gain that they could trace, although, you know, obviously everything's very well, I mean, awarding a contract, even if it doesn't affect you, but affects someone else indirectly, I think well, that would be illegal. I think, right? well, I think, but the thing is, I think this actually goes to like this whole debate about Donald Trump and this, you know, his relationship, you know, with Russia and is it influencing his decisions? And a lot of people have said that, let's say he did obstruct the FBI investigation for the purposes of protecting Michael Flynn, which is one of the arguments that many argue that the governor, or in this case, the president can't be prosecuted for that. He's not obstructing justice. What he's doing, he's exercising his powers from the executive to not go after something. And so what he could be is impeached for abuse of power. He is not using his power properly. So he'd be impeached, but he could never be found for, for uh, criminally uh, liable. And I think that's the case with the governor. If he, you know, w- it was an ethics violation, I think you could remove him from the governor's office. But I don't think that he could be found criminally you know, liable for getting a slush fund. If as long as it wasn't just for him, as long as it was for the governor's office and then the legislature, you know, was obviously able to take that. I think it would just be a uh, political a problem, an abuse of power, but I don't know if there'd be a criminal statute that would put him in jail. Yeah. I mean, like you've brought up many times, apparently taking large sums of money, 
um, as an ABC commissioner means you still get <laughs> your retirement. So they did fix that one though. Now, if you're caught stealing taxpayer money, you lose your pension. So glad we fixed that. Not, not a <laughs> not moment soon enough, too though. soon. Because <laughs> that Billy Williams guy is still getting it because he was grandfathered in. I mean, talk about some absolute garbage but and yeah every, I mean, every time i hear his name all i can think of is star wars and billy d williams but <laughs> i don't know if you ever seen him but i couldn't think of anyone that looks more opposite <laughs> billy d williams than billy williams in wilmington <laughs> not nearly not nearly as cool but you know as it goes in in north carolina and in a lot of politics it's about falling the money just like in this case we have had a a recent bit of ups and downs with corporate welfare here in North Carolina. We lost Caterpillar, Amazon, Foxconn, but we won Honeywell and a slew of other companies who are either moving here or expanding their production, adding employees. It's almost hard to keep track of all the corporations that have been in line for handouts. Not to worry, though, although many thought Apple was off the table, we were reassured this week that we actually could still be in the running for a new facility for the tech giant. The question, of course, will ultimately be how many small businesses will have to pay taxes to support their plan. A new report just came out on the Honeywell deal from late last year that shows that the legislature's last minute kind of questionable language sweetened the deal for Honeywell by about $10 million. Tyler, are Republicans ever going to stand up for their principles or are we on the wrong side of this welfare line? That's a good question in North Carolina. I mean, I love the Republicans in North Carolina way better than the Republicans in D.C., but they still have their faults. And one of them is is the incentive. And I, I don't know how you get around it. I mean, because if you talk to them every time I have a Republican incentives are up there on my radio show and I always ask them and they always say, I don't like incentives, but you got to do it. It's part of the game. And it's, it's and, and the thing is, is you can't blame them. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's not the only reason, but listen, if Amazon is or Apple or whoever is deciding between two places and one place is like, we're going to give you a billion dollars and the other place is like, we got beaches, <laughs> they're going to go, well, we really do like the beach, but we're going to we're going to take that billion dollar deal. And so that's why I like this new uh, report that came out from the Civitas uh, earlier, I guess late last week that showed the benefits of dropping the corporate tax rate to zero because dropping it to zero, guess what? Every company in North Carolina presently and that wants to come here gets an incentive package because all of their tax rates go to zero. And we would see, I think, 43,000 new jobs created with with uh, the average salary in North Carolina increasing by $1,500. And we would actually increase the tax revenue that the state gets because of all the new uh, economic benefits that we would see in economic activity that would, that would be created because of the zero corporate tax rate. And a reminder, corporations don't pay taxes. We do. And so getting rid of the corporate tax rate is the best thing to do economically. It is the worst thing, however, to do politically because it looks bad when you lower the corporate tax rate and then like the personal tax rate or some other tax rate goes up like sales tax because corporate taxes are indirect. They're hidden. Um, Other taxes are direct. And so people believe like, oh, you just raised my taxes to give you know, Apple a tax cut. No, but it's very hard to sell to people because they're going to say, oh, they're not paying taxes now, but we were paying them. And so that's the hardest part. Economically, great. Politically, mm, not so much. 
Well, why do you think it is so difficult to get that point of cross? Because the other day, um, you know, Raleigh City Council passed where they were going to put this exorbitant tax on those little scooters that go around downtown because they want to obviously limit them and restrict them. I saw uh, or heard today on the radio, I think Charlotte has done something similar. They ban them until they can tax them or, or something along those lines. And it's like if you look at any particular instance where government wants less of something, they tax it. They tax cigarettes. They tax sugar drinks. They tax scooters that annoy people. They do all this stuff, and yet they still want to act like taxes are a good thing. I mean, this goes back to the AOC thing. Like, we'll just get more money in government if we just tax these successful people. Well, why then do you tax everything you want to get rid of? I think Reagan had the great quote about, you know, you tax. I don't know. There was a great. Yeah, he said, said, if you want something to slow down, you tax it. If you want to stop, you regulate it. And if you want to keep, you know, get it moving again, you subsidize it. And what's funny is that the people in Raleigh and Charlotte are taking it literally. They are literally trying to stop scooters from moving. And so they're regulating them. (laughs) They're taking it. It's like Reagan, like literally they're taking Reagan. Literally. I don't think they understand the purpose of that quote. He was talking more with regards to economic activity, not actual movement of an object. So I think they might, might've, might've missed the point on that, but no. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that, 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 quote is true is that when you tax something, you're stopping that activity. That's why, you know, people say, well, what we should do is put a a tax on financial transactions. It's like, all right, fine. But you do understand that's going to slow financial activity, which most people think doesn't matter until they realize, you know, what happens with their banks, like how their bank is able to offer loans and do all the things that it does through financial activity. And if you're taxing every single transaction, they're either going to charge you more for the loan. They might not give it to you. I mean, those are the realities. And the problem is, is that, yeah, I mean, the, the reason why it's a hard sell is because, like I said, people see it versus, you know, the seen versus the unseen. It's the same thing with trade. You know, when a factory closes and 5,000 people lose their job, we see that. We do not see the 10,000 jobs that are created because of the globalization and the competition that's gotten better in the innovation. We don't see those 10,000 jobs. Maybe they're all over the country. Maybe they're all over the States. There are other industries, but you do see the people walking the unemployment line. And that's what Milton Friedman always said, the seen versus the unseen taxes are the same way. We, when you see a tax on your paycheck or your pay stub or at the end of the year, because people people even get pay stubs anymore, but you see it. Um, when the corporations are paying taxes, you don't see it because you buy the product thinking that's what the cost of the product is, but not realizing it could be lower if their taxes were lower. And you have this sort of uh, transactional situation where we now are making more money and have more money and the products are cheaper, but you got to pay a little bit more tax. All people are going to see is the tax. And that's always a hard sell politically. Yeah. You know, that's why they call it the invisible hand, Tyler. That's true. That's true. It's just, Adam Smith. It's just there. It's stirring things. It's moving things. It's lifting. Toxic you, masculinity. The that. invisible hands. <laughs> it's, 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 it's lifting. It's, it's, it's lifting up and, you know, it could hit something and then you got a sexual harassment lawsuit. And so just stay away from the invisible hands. The invisible hand and the invisible Gillette razor. <laughs> Which are pretty much going to be their sales pretty soon. Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is probably, um, probably one of the truest predictions that we've ever been able to safely say on here. Well, it did work out for Nike when they did the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. They actually saw their sales go up. So we'll see. We'll see if, uh, I don't know, should we short 
Should we short some Gillette stock and buy some Dollar Shave Club stock? Um, I, I'm I'm down if you want to. We'll uh, we'll, we'll talk about that on our next our, our hedge fund podcast. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, my friend. Well, it's closing time. Anything else that uh, that we need to know about? No. Well, um, real quick, it looks like Britain's about to basically collapse because the Brexit vote failed miserably and there could be a vote of confidence and everyone should pay attention to that. <laughs> that could be somewhat problematic. Speaking of stocks and, and assets, if you have anything in the UK right now, you might want to think about, I don't know, selling <laughs> just because a lot of craziness going on there. So keep an eye on that. I appreciate that. Well, Teresa, may the force be with them, you know. I could have done better. We'll just end on that note. How about that? <laughs> I thought you were going to end. That's why I didn't say anything. I thought you, I was going to end the podcast. And so I was keep, I was staying quiet to have a great end. Well, maybe it will. I'll just fix it. Yeah, that's true. We can just stop talking right now and you can just cut. Exactly. We'll just do that. I'll see you next week. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>